guys, it's Kelly, and I'm here with Jesse, and this is the, the Jesse and Kelly Show. We bring you weekly outrageous conversations about current events, healthy and happy living, yoga and green parenting, fringe thought, and holistic alternatives, all in an easy to listen to style. After 10 years of saying someone should be recording us, we decided to record ourselves. Jesse is a yoga studio owner and teacher living in Northern California, and I live on a tiny island in the Caribbean where I do marketing part-time and mommying full-time. Grab a glass of wine. I'm going to put my toes in the sand for you and enjoy the show. Hey, Jess. Hey, Kel. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Just trying to stay dry in Northern California. You guys are getting another rainstorm today, I saw. Yes, it's been going pretty steady since about three this morning when it woke me up. Um, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy adventure for the last week here. We're relatively close to the Oroville Dam, which has made international news. And I'm going to be talking more about that later. But we did have a grab your shit and go moment at our household. Man, that's so scary. I can't imagine being like evacuated and have that whole thing happen. Well, I think it was just really surreal, right? So it's like 70 degrees and it's beautiful days outside and they're like, y'all need to go. Yeah. And we're looking at it like, well, they're like 45 minutes north of us and how much water is really going to come out that it right. would flood all the way down to here? Like, it's just so many questions and Yeah, like so much crazy. unknown. And I mean, God, how do you even know what to do? Like, what is right in that moment? Yeah, so there there was a group of people that went through the flood of 1997 out here, and they knew that 76,000 people trying to leave this town was, like, implausible, so they just nightmare. stayed at their houses. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right, we so did. we're going to talk about all of that later, right? We have a segment on it? Yeah. Cool. Definitely. Um, what's going on with you? What's the news in so, Antigua? I had this... I haven't told you about this yet, but... So yesterday I got this call from one of the, one of my clients basically. And at the end of our work related phone call, he decided to tell me that he had overheard the managers in his, it's a restaurant, um, talking about me and the phone started to cut out. And what I heard him saying was that they were all super jealous of me and because of the way that I dressed and because I guess of my position and it sent me into like this crazy downward spiral because mm. this has been like an, a reoccurring thing for me in my career. And I know that you know about it. We have a, a not so nice name that we call this, <laughs> but it just really made me like super angry for all the times that this has happened to me in my career. And it made me realize that, um, you know, there's a lot being said about men holding women back in business. And in my experience, I have had women that were, yeah. that were threatened by me in some way or another stand in my way in my own career. And it really made me, it made me super mad. And so I vague booked, which I barely ever do, but I vague booked and posted that, um, that picture of us in our matching birthday dresses with the quote above it about fierce lady friendships and how we should all support each other. Because as a woman, that's how I feel. I know that's how you feel. It definitely, it, it's, it's a wild thing, right? Like, um, I guess it's a tinge of jealousy. I don't know where the break happened. Like, I think that back, like women are, 
gosh, I hate to say this, but we're kind of like a, a the stronger gender. You know, we can handle a lot of, a lot of stuff, and yeah. not stronger maybe physically, but emotionally. And yet here we have women tearing each other down on the reg. Right. And I don't know if it's out of jealousy or what, but it's it's really sad. Like we should be working to build each other up and help each other out. I mean, but we shouldn't even do that across gender barriers, you know? For like, sure. We, like but- we should be lifting everybody up no doubt and um yeah so that's really kind of where I ended up getting with it you know I got through all my anger and frustration and my husband got up and I told him like uh so and so called me and they said this and um I just don't understand I don't understand why women are are jealous of other women and you know I try to go out of my way and be nice to everybody like super nice to everybody. And then this happens. And so he just told me some things are not for you to understand. And that did help me a lot. But I did leave it with the strong um, feeling and wanting to say both on my vague book post and on our podcast that I just hope that we can all kind of like work together um, and help each other out. And like you're saying, like lift each other up and jealousy and and malice and that kind of like mindset is so counterproductive to everyone and it's really there's no place for it so well you know I've had these instances where like you know walking into a situation where you don't necessarily know people and they just kind of read you based off of how you look and um you know for me like I get read a certain way I know I do and then I just end up meeting people on their own level and just trying to find common ground every single time. And I hope at some point they, they turn around and go, wow, she's not really what I expected, you know, cause like I've been that prima donna, I've been that like girl in high heels walking around all like I was cooler than anybody else or something. And that didn't attract the type of people that I wanted. And so when we start to meet people with where we are, Um, instead of all of this, you know, materialistic, just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Do you get what I'm saying? (laughs) I think I do. But I also kind of want to say the opposite of that, because I had this moment this morning when I was getting dressed after this incident happened, where I thought to myself, like, should I dress in the wardrobe equivalent of a paper bag so as not to attract any more of this negative attention? And then I realized that no, that's not okay. Like I need to do me I can prance around in high heels and still be grounded and nice and genuine because that's the truth. Like I do maybe dress in a fashionable way. I do like to wear high heels. I like to be feminine and attractive and that should not change the fact that I, you know, should be taken seriously, especially when I'm also coming from like a genuine kind place on a regular basis. So Yeah, I definitely think that your husband's right. And that it's not about you at that point, you know? Yeah, for sure. If you're doing all of these things, like being strong in who you are, and presenting yourself how you want to present yourself to the world and being kind in the meantime, like none of that's you. Yeah, for sure. So then I spoke with um, the guy who told me about it today. And (laughs) as it turns out, a little bit or maybe more of it was lost in translation. And what he was trying to say to me, and I got super defensive about it, was that they were all talking, standing around talking about me, but it was mostly, um, you know, admiration for me and saying that I was actually really nice. So well, that's nice. <laughs> at there the end a, of the day, like I, I maybe was a little bit hypersensitive to this, to this situation. What happens? You're yeah. human. Well, I never uh, reacted to them, so they never even knew that it happened, but. 
So, but is this just, is this locals too? Because you've told me before about kind of a cultural difference. Yeah, for sure. They are locals. And I'm not sure, like, I don't know that it was because, like, I don't think it was because they were locals. I honestly got the same feeling as I did working in the Bay Area or working in the hills. You know, it's happened to me, like, basically almost everywhere that I've worked. There's been a woman or more. So we should put that out to our listeners. Like, you know, do you modify who you are to appease other people? Like, I see it in in yoga and women in general, where we kind of dim our own lights so that other people can get the standing ovation, if you will. Right. Um, you know, and well, I mean, I don't go to yoga with a full face of makeup just because I want to meet people at that level. You have people coming in that, you know, don't have any makeup on. And so I don't do that, but I often joke. I'm like, you guys are lucky that I don't dress up and do my hair every day. Cause y'all would feel a little bit different about me. I don't know. See, like, I just really feel like one of my mottos is like, just be who the fuck you are. And to me, like, I think that if you want to put a full face of makeup on and go to yoga and teach yoga that you should, like, I don't think that you, like, I understand why you're not, but I think that you should only do it if you want to do it. Exactly. And I mean, obviously within like appropriate boundaries, like you don't freaking wear like stripper heels to your yoga class you know what I mean like I realize that there are appropriate boundaries but within those boundaries I feel like we should all be free to you know express ourselves however we want and we should not have to change our appearance or our demeanor to make other people around us more comfortable indeed I concur but you probably won't see me with a whole bunch of makeup on a yoga class because there's not really a point for me to yeah, dress well, up for it. That's for you. Exactly. All right. So what are we talking about today? Okay. Today, um, we're since this is our first official podcast, we're going to talk about our favorite podcasts and why we chose to podcast. Um, we're also going to be covering the Oroville Dam because I, Jesse, live very close to it. And then I think we're going to polish it off with some natural facial care. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. But first, I want to but talk. First. <laughs> I want to talk about why you got called a white devil on Instagram. I hope you all can hear the big, ridiculous grin in my face because I am so freaking amused by this. I think I'm way more amused than Jesse. I I was like, really? I'm a white devil? Like, you don't even... (laughs) like. It's just so ridiculous to me. It makes me laugh. Like, you're not a white devil, but it's just so funny that that's where people go with shit. All right. I digress. Let's tell them what happened. I I think the troll called me a white devil because I think that that's like... You know, it's like the next step of white privilege or something. So I guess I don't know. Um, Okay, so during this Oroville Dam crisis, I (laughs) I had to leave my house relatively fast. And what I grabbed was cat food, dog food, animals, um, all of my valuable jewelry and then all of my technology. And that's pretty much it with, you know, obviously I brought my computer and stuff too. just sentimentals. Yes. And some sentimentals. Um, so that's, that's what I grabbed. And so trying to make light of it on our Jesse and Kelly show Instagram, if you're following us, it's at the Jesse and Kelly show. The Jesse and Insta- Kelly show. That's right. But with that, you got to put that at sign before it. Yeah. 
at at yeah. Jesse. Okay. Anyways, um, so I put up a picture of all the jewels that I grabbed, trying to kind of make light of the situation. And I wrote, "When you show up to a flood party and all of your jewels, um, keeping our bejeweled finger fingers crossed, everything and everyone are safe." Hashtag Oroville Dam. Hashtag Dam. <laughs> um, and so I thought that you know. From what I was hearing, there were multiple flood parties, like just big groups of people at different people's houses that lived further out than, you know, Yuba City, Marysville, that kind of thing. Right, people congregating. That makes yeah, sense and to so me. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of like a flood party. And it was a great opportunity for me to meet some other people that I didn't know and kind of, you know, find common ground. And that's kind of the beauty in these disasters is you start to share a common thread with other people that you might not associate with. Um, anyways, sorry, I'm trying to pull it up, but <laughs> I got it. So Jesse posts this thing and then this dude pops on there and his name is Alfred, the living man. And the living man thing is pretty funny. I don't know if you guys know about that, but you could just go on YouTube and like search. I am the living man. I don't know what it is. It's pretty, you should do it too. Okay. Okay. So Alfred, the living man says natural disaster and and you want to show the world how vain and materialistic you are. And so then Jesse says, um, that's the hand of one of the evacuees who grabbed all of her goods and piled in her car. What did you grab? Like trying to say, like, who are you and why are you even talking to me like this? So then she goes on the deep lurk. <laughs> she gets on <laughs> Alfred, the living man's page, finds a picture of him standing in front of the Armani store and writes, there's a natural disaster and you're just being all vain and materialistic and then hashtags troll. And so this is on his page. Like she went after him. Yeah. Like seriously, if you're going to post something, <laughs> don't be surprised if you get lurked back. Like it's so awesome. It's I never, game. never would have thought to freaking do this. So I'm cracking up. She sent me screenshots as she's doing this. Well, I was like, I was genuinely upset i'm like who are you to even talk about this like from what i figured out i think he lives in new jersey i'm like i'm 45 minutes away that's the shit that i grabbed like right who are you exactly <laughs> so then he replies l m f a o and i'm like oh cool like he's actually having fun with it now and yeah then, and i was like okay that's yeah dude like, okay. yeah okay i guess now this guy it. maybe is just funny like maybe he's not a total dickhole not true. Yeah, he is. So then he writes, Jesse says, I'm glad we get each other's humor now. And he says, at the Jesse and Kelly show, I invite you to, to compare the magnitude and severity of the situation before posting pictures of shiny trinkets. Oh, what a beautifully decorated hand that corpse will have instead of saving her family. Get off my page, you white devil. <laughs> <laughs> OMG. Wait, did that go from zero to freaking nuts in like four posts or what and back i mean like at one moment i thought it was gonna be fine and that he was like funny and maybe he would actually like listen to our show and think we were cool but then he thinks you're a white devil <laughs> i don't know just shaking my head is all i can say i feel like you handled um, it really well and like in a really funny way and then he just couldn't handle the humor I which did is where him. the post came from to begin with it was like trying to make light of it. Like we all, I mean, if you would have, I didn't send you the pictures, but I have pictures of like miles of headlights of people trying to get out of the town. And, you know, for me, it was like, it wasn't like super stressful. It was just like, okay, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this, you know, get it all done, like elevate all of our stuff in the house and get out. 
And, you know, at the end of the night, I was like, well, you know, you got to have a little bit of fun with it. For sure. Like, and I think that we all deal so with serious. stressful situations in different ways. Yeah, totally. I um, thought it was funny. Anyways, please do not refer to me as the white devil or I will troll you. Sounds like I'm about to get trolled. Yep. <laughs> hey, so what'd you have for dinner last night? Uh, let's see. So it was, again, it wasn't last night because, so Kirk's on nights. So I'm not really cooking dinner, to be completely honest with you. And last night, I'm just going to tell you what I actually had last night. And then I'm going to tell you the recipe that I want to share. Last night, I tried to go to dinner without eating. And so I wasn't really hungry. And then I was laying in my bed and I was trying to go to sleep. And it was like 10 o'clock and I had to get up and eat a half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I couldn't go to sleep without eating. (laughs) Okay, but my recipe that I wanted to share um, is a quick dinner that I make a lot of times when Kirk's not here. It's just like easy to do for one. And it's um, peanut butter noodles. And this recipe actually started out as like a hangover thing that I used to make like back in the day when I didn't have a kid and I actually got to drink and stuff. (laughs) And so I used to do it with Top Ramen, but now I use angel hair pasta. So you just spoil it, you know, make it whatever, however you like it al dente or whatever and then while it's straining um you mix together peanut butter soy sauce sesame oil um rice vinegar i couldn't think of what the vinegar kind was and then the chili garlic sauce that sriracha makes but it's in the jar and you just kind of like mix it to taste sometimes depending on the peanut butter you're using you want to add like a little bit of brown sugar to give it like that unctuous taste sweetness and um, then you just toss the noodles in and top it with some sesame seeds and cilantro and green onions and then you eat your face off and then hopefully there's some more left in the pan because then you eat your face off again (laughs) (laughs) and then your hangover or your hunger is cured so kelly told me this recipe um back before Kira was around and I don't know how it got lost in translation, but this, her recipe is the base recipe of my noodle soup recipe. This is Did how you know your, that, yeah, this is how recipes happen between us. Like I tell you how I make something and then you turn it into something like 500 times more delicious. Oh, well, thank you. You did the same I thing with the spaghetti yet. sauce. Ooh, the spaghetti sauce. Well, so what happens is Kelly starts telling me what she does and I get kind of sidetracked in my thoughts and I forget something. So that's why the rice wine or the rice wine vinegar is not in there. Mm -hmm. But, um, somehow I added stock and turned it into a soup and I guess yours is more like a pad pie. Sometimes I make it soupy. It's kind of just like, it depends on my, um, my preference in that moment. And then the other thing is too, like, can we just be honest? Like when you're doing Asian cooking, like just walk to your fridge remove all of the condiments of an Asian nature and then put them into your food and then like just keep adding drops here and drops there until it tastes like heaven. I mean, isn't that how Asian people cook stuff? I I don't know. I'm not Asian, though that is what I most closely identify with. So I'm kind of upset about this white devil because <laughs> you want to be an being... Asian devil. No, I don't even, I'm not any type of devil, but I will say that if I had to associate with a race, it would be an Asian one. Jesse, are you trans race right now? Yeah. And I don't like trans race individual. I don't know, but I don't like these microaggressions that people are throwing (laughs) at me. You know what? You're really triggering me and I'm going to need to go uh, jump into my safe space. Okay. 
it's okay. I have a safety pin for you. Um, anyways, <laughs> so I have my, my noodle soup recipe is up on my personal website, which is jessielee.com. If you want to kind of compare the two of them. Oh yeah. Kelly's I'm going to put mine up on the up. blog. Cool. Um, anyways, so I think it's time to get into podcasting. So Jesse, tell me, why did you decide to podcast? I have no idea. Dude, me either. <laughs> I don't even know when it started when we were like, we should have a podcast. I can't remember I this conversation. I don't but know next either. Thing you know, like, we both just have microphones and then we're talking. Or you have three the- microphones and only one of them is actually the right microphone you're supposed to have. Yep. <laughs> so I think... Like on a personal level, I'm doing this just because I have a hard time like listening to my voice. I feel um, I feel like I don't have a good voice and I know it's a limiting belief. You have a great voice. Thank you. I like your voice. Thank I also you. like your face. I like that shit. You got a YouTube. I like that shit. I have seen it. Oh, it's so funny. Um, no, but for me, it's kind of like stepping into my throat chakra. Um, right. So my sister, when we were young, she... We used to like record ourselves singing on like an actual cassette tape recorder. Wow. Yeah, we were fancy. And she would like sing la 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 and then play it back and we'd be like, oh yeah, that's great. And then she'd be like, okay, it's your turn. And I'm like, okay. And we'd sing it and she'd be like, do you want to try that again? <laughs> Jen, that's not nice. <laughs> I know, not nice. But so here I am, like, you know, so many years later, just working out the kinks, but. Um, you know, that's what I do for a living now. I talk, I teach yoga and I'm up there talking a lot. And so it's good for me to just have it and hear it. And so when I listen to our audios, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm not too worried about it anymore. It's really healing. I think the more you hear it, the more you're going to be fine with it, because that's kind of what happened to me. I started doing some voiceovers here for commercials and just the more I heard my voice, it, I just kind of got used to hearing it. I didn't get like that, like skin like prickly like irritated feeling that I would hear like if I would hear myself on someone's answering machine or whatever back in the day so I've just kind of gotten used to I feel like the more you hear yourself the more like it'll be fine well you have to like hear yourself all day every day when you go to work right yeah I do it's ridiculous so I do I have several clients and so my voice is on the radio My voice is on the overhead at most of the properties that I work at. And it's also on the streets of Antigua. (laughs) So there's one of the businesses that I do work for that they play music outside of their doors, their front doors. And it plays two songs and then my commercial and then two songs and then my commercial and then two songs and then my commercial all day, all night, airy day, airy night. It's ridiculous. So... What you're saying is that you are the sound of Antigua. Kelly Romero here, coming to you from Antigua. I am <laughs> the voice of Antigua. Oh my good God. <laughs> We've created a monster, you guys. <laughs> no, freaking the, putting my voice on the street created a monster. I feel like I can't even speak to anyone in that area or they're just going to be like, oh, shut up. So for all my Yuba City listeners, Kelly is actually the voiceover for the Pure Joy Yoga commercials as well. Kelly Romero here, coming to you from Antigua, also the voice of Yuba City. (laughs) We are from sea to shining sea, my dear. That's true. 
Um, anyways, so I think maybe what happened is we both started listening to some podcasts and then we're like, dude, we should just do that too. Yeah, I mean, I think that people have told us for a long time, like, you guys are ridiculous. And we've called like us being together and our shenanigans, the Jesse and Kelly show for a long time. And so I remember one time you had come to visit me at work when I was still working in the graphics office. And my boss at the time was like, you guys need a sitcom. And so that was the joke for a while that we were going to have a TV show or a shit, a shit com. <laughs> a shit com. That would be what it was. A shit show. <laughs> well, we usually only get 15 minutes into our conversation before we're discussing shit anyway. So you all consider yourself lucky that we're not talking about poop today because that's coming in the future. Yeah, the poop um, episode. For sure. Actually, I'm excited about that. As weird as that sounds. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know when we decided to do podcasts, but I do know that I was like, Jesse, you need to listen to these podcasts, which we're going to talk about. So which one do you want to talk about first? No Agenda? No Agenda. On No Agenda. In the morning. So, uh, No Agenda, if you haven't listened to it, it's super awesome. Adam Curry, who used to be an MTV VJ back in the day mm -hmm. um he is debunking myths in the media with his good friend john c dvorak pretty rad um they take a whole bunch of clips from what's on mainstream media and then they just like decipher them or what's the word i can never remember um deconstruct deconstruct, deconstruct yeah, yeah. So they deconstruct it and it kind of gives you like this whole different picture of what's really going on in America. Yeah. And um, how the different media outlets are slanted in one way or the other, too, which I think is really interesting. And for me, I always think like like I would go to, you know, CNN and read something and then go to Fox News and read something and be like, OK, well, the truth has got to be somewhere in the middle. here, Right. You and know? I think that those are really good examples of one far left and one far right. And so at the No Agenda, they got the middle covered. They do. It's really interesting. I mean, their their show title is perfect because they don't have an agenda. They're not Republican. They're not Democrat. They're not, you know, for anything, but just, you know, taking information and giving it to their listeners, which I think is really interesting. And I love the way that they do it. I love their format. They have really cool jingles and funny little clips. And I've had John C. Dvorak's Pet Peeve of the Day song stuck in my head all day. But it's just like so catchy and it's really well done. I think it's a great place to go if you're just looking like if you're tired of the mainstream media and you're just looking for some like non-biased information. It's a great place to go. Super easy to listen to as well. I'd say there's a little bit of bias in there, but that's when they're I don't know. I think we're all biased at some point. But well, yeah, but what I mean is nobody's paying them to say one oh, thing yeah. or the so other. That's, like that's they have they their they own have... true opinions. And they have no advertising. Yeah. So that's why it's called the No Agenda Show is because they don't have advertisers on there that are trying to sway them. And if you look at the way that the media is set up in America, it's all advertisers mm -hmm. pushing their products. I mean, even in the magazine industry, when I worked in it, it was like, oh, well, if you buy an ad, we'll do a feature on you. And it's like, well, you know there goes the quality out the window right. when you start doing that kind of thing. No, it's the same thing in the casino industry with, you know, media buys and say you own, you have a bunch of um, ad space on a certain channel and then they run a bad news story about you. Well, your media buyer is going to get on the phone with them instantly and say, what the are you doing? Like, I will pull my advertising from you if you keep reporting bad stories about us. 
Like that's really yeah. common. So they're the no agenda show. They use a value for value method. And so what that means that is instead of taking on advertisers to, um, you know, support their podcast, they, um, have producers. And so what they do is they provide all the artwork, all the jingles, all the songs, and they, um, can donate money as well to get like producer credits. And then they, um, they like keep track of how much everyone has, you know, contributed and give them like show titles and stuff. It's cool. It's really cool, but it's a great show. Um, the other one that we really enjoy and Kelly kind of turned me on to this one is Dave Ramsey. <laughs> I hope they don't ever replay us doing their jingles. Cause we can't even get our own jingle. Right. No, I can get everybody's jingle. Right. But mine. <sighs> and my I favorite. sing like an angel. Okay. So if anybody listens to the no agenda show, my favorite is fact check false. Fact I love false. So funny. I love, um, I love too. I love uh, John C. Dvorak singing Adele's Hello, which I'm not even going to try, but he talks about how he's sitting on a stoop in it, which is so random. And then I love the jobs, 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 and jobs. <laughs> Let's, Let's vote, vote for jobs. <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, oh you guys God. really need to listen to it so you, we don't sound so insane. Yes. And also Dave Ramsey. So right. Kelly, take it away with Dave Ramsey because you turned me on to it. All right. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is a financial guy. Um, he has been around for like 30 years and his story is basically that he lost everything he had. He was like broke. He made tons of stupid decisions, got into a ton of debt, and then he had to like claw himself out of this hole and he started coaching other people on how to do it. And so he has a radio show, has had it for years. I think it plays on like on the actual radio in the South. I had never heard it. But one of my girlfriends did his program and turned me on to his podcast. And so um, basically with her, like she, she, um, she paid off like tons of debt, tons of debt. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought, but she, uh, for years was like, I'd be like, oh, do you want to go get your nails done? And she'd be like, oh no, I can't. I don't have money for that this month. And I would be like, oh, whatever. Like, I'm just going to put on my credit card. Don't like like, why are you taking this shit so seriously? It's 30 bucks, you know? But then the last time I was home to visit, she told me they finished. They finished paying off of all of their student loan debt, all of their credit card debt, their cars, everything, and that they were working on paying off their mortgage. And they had just bought this house like a few years before. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, y'all are 35 years old and you're already paying off your mortgage? Like, and then it's she amazing. told me how much money she's paid off. And it was 75 freaking thousand dollars. And then like, like what, like two th- or three years? I think it was like three years it took them. It's amazing, though. I know. So I was like, all right, I got to look into this. And so I started listening to the podcast. And then once I caught the Dave Ramsey bug, because his 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 plan is really simple. It's not it's not like gimmicky. It's not, you don't have to buy anything like you could just all of his stuff is online for free as far as like the baby steps and stuff. Um, and I told Jesse, like, this is what we're doing. We have this debt. We need to get out of it so that we can live our freaking lives. And then she caught the bug too. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's infectious, man. And it's nice to be doing it together. I love that. It is. Yeah. So I was actually even talking with some of my students after one of my classes and, um, I was like, yeah, so we're doing this. Like it was actually one student was walking out and was like, so what is that, that name of that guy you told me about? Cause she was 
I just keep talking about it. And I was like, Oh, it's Dave Ramsey. And she had asked me the question like, Oh, well we, you know, we budget for groceries and we budget all this stuff. But, and I was like, no dude, you budget everything, literally every dollar, like every dollar. And he even has an app that you can get for your phones. I got it by the way. And it's nice. Um, I have just like a, a notebook that I do most of my stuff in, but, um, you like, we budget, we put money away every month for registration. So when that comes due, we're not like fumbling around trying to move money. Like we put in how much divided by 12 the right. whole year. No, we and then- literally just paid our registration. It was really awesome to not have to be like, Oh God, like we're going to have to, you know, find the money to pay the registration. We just pulled out the envelope and it had the money in it done. Yeah, super easy. And then there's like no stress and just taking off those little stressful situations like makes everything else so much easier. Absolutely. I think too, like you were just talking about the budget and how you, you know, Dave, Dave Ramsley always says like, give every dollar a name. I cannot tell you the sense of relief that I feel in having a budget. And it's like you were saying with the envelope and the registration money, it's just so nice to know exactly what you're going to do with every money that you have for the whole month. Like, you know that you're not going to get to the 21st of the month and not have any money left for groceries because you have your money budgeted and separated for groceries all month. It's just really, I would say like it has given me a lot of, um, like peace in that regard, like with, as you know, as like, as far as our money is concerned, I think, um, being like we're not technically newlyweds anymore but we're still under five years of marriage um it kind of gave us the base and the foundation to work as a team to like tackle our long-term goals and just having we read the book total money makeover Mm -hmm. we both read it and then we just both got on the same page about what we needed to do and what takes priority and we've even installed the dave ramsey point game which is unofficial Mm -hmm. but my husband made it up (laughs) And so at the beginning of the year, we get 100 points each. And if we break our Dave Ramsey, one point gets deducted. If we come up with a good scheme that would make us gazelle speed, Dave Mm -hmm. Ramsey's like faster speed, we get added points. Oh, I like this. I think we're probably going to try this. We're playing the Dave Ramsey game and it's a way for us to keep each other in check too. Yeah. So I'll be like, oh my gosh, I forgot my envelope for gas. And I'm at the, I'm at the gas station. I have to use the card. And like, we tell each other when we use the card all the time too. Yeah. Like debit card, mind you, cause it's negative 10 if you use your credit card. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll be like, okay, well that's one minus one. You need to remember to take your money with you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, me and Kirk just had a really similar conversation. He is notorious for, um, you know, he gets his pocket money and that's what he has with him. So if he's going to buy bananas, then he uses his pocket money. If he's going to buy gas or put minutes on his cell phone, he's going to use his pocket money. And then, you know, he's like, I have no pocket money left. And it's like the 10th. And I'm like, well, where did it go? (laughs) Oh no. So like I had to tell him, you know, you need to make sure that you're taking the money out of the envelopes. And the other thing, we just had this conversation. We have the following month's money in advance. So it's there. We have it. And he grabs from it if he needs money for something. And so last month I was like, no, this shit needs to stop. You cannot just grab money from next month's budget or we're going to be short again. So we will have a family meeting. Anytime you feel like you need to touch that money, you just you call me up 
and you say, we're going to have a family meeting. I need to take this much money out of next month's budget. And then I'll, you know, we can decide as a family whether we're going to do that or not. So I think exactly what you're saying, like it really got us on the same page. Our expectation of what's going to happen is like legit and solid. And I feel like that's been awesome for our relationship. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, just having that clarity, I know that a lot of couples fight about money or I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't be buying this because my husband or him being like, you know, I don't know, just all of this nonsense. It kind of gets wiped off the table. And then there's lined goals with what you guys really want. There's no financial tension. I'm actually thinking about, um, getting this Dave's class, which is Financial Peace University, as a gift, a wedding gift for Kirk's cousin that's getting married. And I really hope that she's not like offended by it because I don't, I mean, I don't know her life. I don't know what her financial situation is, but I feel like it would have been a really cool wedding gift for me. Yeah, definitely. And I'm actually, um, one of my students has a client that does the financial piece um, up here and I'm going to try and get it to, to be a thing at the yoga studio. That'd be so, so cool. It'd be really neat if we could offer that to our students. They usually do them in churches, but it'd be really nice to offer that as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, so if you guys want to check out either the Dave Ramsey show or the no agenda show, we'll put links to the podcast and their websites in the show notes on our website. Um, we hope that you guys check them out because Honestly, I would say like the two most influential shows that I've listened to within the last several years have been the Dave Ramsey show and the no agenda show. And they really changed my mindset. And, um, I think that you could probably say the same, right? Yes, indeed. Indeed. You know that I say indeed, because I tried to curb my habit of saying, yeah, really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Indeed. I tried to replace it and it still pops up all the time. That's funny. Uh, indeed. That's, you know, that's been one of the things that's been hard about podcasting for me is listening to myself and saying the da- same damn word over and over again. So I think I keep thinking, I'm just going to put a little thing up on the corner of my computer that says, um, yeah, like, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> We're such California girls. I listened. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, oh my God, gag me with this fan. So I listened to this podcast, um, this random, whatever. I got a random link on Instagram and I followed it. And this is this podcast and it's these two girls and they're in LA. And so I listened to their inaugural podcast because I kind of wanted to like see, you know, what are they doing? What are we doing? And the one girl said totally no less than 4 million times. Like, <laughs> no. It was, I don't think you had that long to listen to it, Kelly. It was Seriously. comical how much she was saying it. And I know, I know, I know, I know that she was like, what the fuck afterwards? Because then I listened to her most recent one and it was awesome. Like it was the same thing from like our first test, you know, like our sound quality was all jacked up and we were all fibbledy fumbledy. And then, you know, now like we've got our mics and we sound legit and we're not saying totally every 30 seconds. So, um, is my other one. <laughs> so, um, so, um, so, um, so, um, uh, nah, nah, nah. yeah, I think that there, we all have these little words. And so when I'm talking to people in real life, if like my go-to words are rad, mm-hmm. perfect, perfect, 
And there's another one. I can't think of it right now. But um, just fun things to think about. Anyways, I think we should move on to the Oroville Dam. Yeah, I want to hear what I want to hear the story. Okay. Egad. We I feel like we're still in the story right now, yeah. as does most of the town. But um so we've had a whole bunch of water coming in through storm systems and whatnot and down rivers and snow melt and all of that. So our reservoirs, most of them in Northern California are like almost at capacity. And that's really scary because all of these reservoirs go into the Delta, which takes water down to Southern California Mm -hmm. for all the people down there. But also it has the potential to flood and um, our own Oroville, which is north of us, is uh, it it spilled over the emergency spillway on, I think, Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. So on Friday, um, like one Friday ago, they were trying to get all of the water out of the regular spillway and like pretty far down the spillway, it started eroding. Mm-hmm. Like it, they were calling it a sinkhole and That's we had so a sinkhole scary. up in Grass Valley. So they were like, well, maybe it's a sinkhole right here. And I'm like, oh, a sinkhole right next to a dam. That's awesome. Well, like oh my God. on the side of the hill from it. <laughs> but the word it, sinkhole like elicits terror in me anyway. Like I just think it's such a scary, weird thing, a sinkhole. So a sinkhole up in Grass Valley, which is near here as well, it's like the San Francisco of the foothills, um, it freaking ate a parking lot. A sinkhole just yeah, that's ate what a parking I'm saying. lot. Like, imagine you're sleeping in your bed at night, and then a sinkhole opens up beneath your house, and you fall for eternity into the earth. Like, it's just so freaking scary. Yeah, I, sinkholes are scary, but that's what they were calling it originally. And it turned out that now they're just calling it erosion. So the water, like the spillway, the original spillway was not set up for that much water to come down it or something. And so it eroded away. What is really going on is since they've found this letter that says like in 2005, all of these different Delta advocate groups, like Friends of the River, that kind of thing, had gone to them and said, hey, you guys need to like repave the spillway. You need to take care of it because we're probably going to need to use it and we want it in working order. Otherwise, debris is going to be carried off down the river or it's going to go out the emergency spillway and there's going to be even more debris and more of an issue for flooding. And they were probably probably like uh global warming it's never raining again no need no. to worry yeah well jerry brown was like that so he upped his water conservation efforts even last year he like upped the limit from i think 25 to 40% of how much he wanted people to hold mm-hmm. um and you know all, all over the state it's water conservation water conservation even at the bottom of these memos that they sent out about the flood warning it has the little water conservation logo oh my god like enough already it's like enough okay we know we go through droughts and then we know we have floods at some points um anyways so this what it is is the dam isn't even owned by like the 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 residents of that county so that's butte county and all these different like special interests i think the state army corps of engineers and um i don't know all these different people are kind of in control of it Mm -hmm. and they didn't take the actions because they didn't want to invest funds into it even though they're making money off of it particularly the people of butte county who house the dam so much corruption man 
Dude, I'm telling you. And they're the ones that, you know, the town of Oroville is right below the dam. So yeah. they're the ones that are they're the going to be likely decimated to be if something were to happen to the dam. Yeah. And anyways, just so I didn't really understand what was going on. But on Friday, one Friday ago, they were like trying to figure out how to fix this erosion that's on the main spillway. Well, they turned off any water coming out and January saw like the highest amount of water influx or like, say you had a whole cup of water. Mm -hmm. Well, now within January, you'd have that whole cup of water plus two thirds of another cup of water. Wow. My goodness. Capacity. Yeah. And so, you know, on Friday, they're like, oh, this is crazy. And everybody's like, we're going to die. But then (laughs) everything kind of calmed down. And then but then on Sunday, we go over to our friend's house in Sutter, which is in the Sutter Buttes, um, the mountain range. It's the smallest mountain range in the world. Uh, We went over there and the news was on. And they're, they started using the emergency spillway. So that's a little bit further out. And I was totally confused. Like, well, what does that even mean? Like an emergency spillway? Okay, who cares? Like, let the water go. Like, right. It's, well, that's it's what it's there, there for. The, well, it starts eroding too. And they've never used this emergency spillway since they built the dam like almost 50 years ago. And it, you're like, well, why didn't you test it? Right. <laughs> Like, why don't you test this in the last 50 years? Like, you're just going to assume. And they're, I guess they never thought they were going to have to use it. So it starts eroding. And I didn't understand this part either. What it is, the emergency spillway is like a big cement retaining wall. Okay. Not a retaining wall, but it's just like it retains water, but not. So it's a big cement wall. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't go down that far. It goes down like 30 feet or something. Okay. Wow. Okay, so a 30-foot wall on top of a whole bunch of a hillside. Okay. And so as the water was cascading over the top of it and eroding the ground beneath where the wall structure is, it can get to the point where it erodes underneath Mm -hmm. the dirt underneath where that wall is, and that wall could fall forward, and all of that, like they were saying, a 30-foot wall of water could come over the side. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, super scary. So where are you guys at now? So we um we were evacuated on Sunday, the town mm-hmm. of Yuba City. And um we kind of figured it out. Like they said they were evacuating Oroville, and then they said Oroville to Gridley, and Gridley is two towns up. So we right. were like, oh, we gotta go grab our shit. And so we came home, we got all of our stuff and we were ready to go really fast. And then my silly husband Hmm, didn't want to leave, didn't want to leave until the dam failed. Oh man. It was like, if, if this thing's going to happen, I want to at least witness it on the news. My gosh, that's so ridiculous. So watch the video later, man. Just get the hell out. Yeah, totally. So we were, we were at the house for probably 45 minutes after. And you're probably like chewing your nails off during that time. Uh, ready to go. I'd like to say, I was just, I just kept elevating everything. So that's what you do, right? Is you're like, yeah. I don't know how much water is going to come here and I can't get all this stuff into my car with me. So I'm just going to start putting stuff up higher. Um, and so we elevated everything in the house minus the furniture. Right. And we grabbed all the stuff we needed, got, got that all into the car and then watched TV for 45 minutes. Thank Did you, you guys Richard. like take a video of your house? No. For the insurance? Um, you should do that. So most, we don't have flood insurance. Oh, well then you shouldn't even waste your time. 
Yeah. Most people here don't. Um, anyways, so we waited 45 minutes and then we were coming out of, off of our street, turning onto the next little street before the main street mm-hmm. and stop and go all the way. Man, it took us everybody's over 40, trying to leave. Yeah. Over 40 minutes to get out, um, 10 miles away. And so we did that. We went out back to our friend's house and it was, like I said, a flood party. Like there were 30 people there. There were, there was a duck. There were probably 10 dogs. There was, (laughs) there was a turtle. There was a rat. There was a whole crate full of bunnies. There were people, well, our friends have property up there. So the husband was out helping move cattle from other people's land, right? So this is things we don't usually think about. It's big farm country up here and all of that cattle, like so that they don't drown and lose all, you know, the animals don't die. They have to move them up to the hills too. And then all of these people with farm equipment were moving it to his barn and, you know, people are just trying to elevate everything as much as they can. Um, anyways, so within a couple hours, probably like five hours, we got the notice that for Yuba City, it was only down to evacuation advisory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we closed down the studio on Monday and it was pretty much a ghost town on Monday, but we came home Sunday night and Monday it was a ghost town Tuesday there was probably like, I'm going to say half the population was back in Yuba city and, um, everybody's been on pins and needles since. Yeah, I bet. Especially with the, with more rain coming, it's like, okay, you know, where's this water going to go and what's going to happen? And they yeah, didn't really been... fix anything in the meantime, right? They're just kind of like also no, just they're... still hoping for the best or oh, they're no, they put doing... a bunch of rocks on it, right? Yeah. They put, a, put a lot of rocks on it. So <laughs> Sounds um, ridiculous. You know, I'm sure it's a, a, like a better fix than it sounds like it is, but just it sounds ridiculous. There's like this disconnect. So we saw when the Butte fire happened in our home county, Calaveras County, mm-hmm. um, like a year and a half ago, you hear like the officials saying one thing like, oh, blah, blah, blah. This fire happened because X, Y, and Z. And then you hear the locals saying like, no, it was PG&E. It wasn't X, Y, and Z. Right. You know? um, and so that's the scary part because when two days after the fire, people were like, PG&E did this. And it turns out at the very end that PG&E had to settle for all of that stuff. You know, it's kind of like, oh, so you don't really know what to listen to. And so we have a lot of people that are concerned that the dam's going to fail still, Mm -hmm. that the levees are going to fail, that it's going to flood all the way to Modesto. Like these are the things that I hear. So Um, earlier you were talking about the the flood in 1997, right? And then I realized that I went through that. I was living in Lathrop at the time and um, the levees were failing in the Central Valley and we literally had to get sandbags and fill up sandbags and put them around our house um, because there was such a risk of the area that we were living in flooding. And I remember being a kid. I don't I mean, in 97, I was, I don't know, eight or something, 10 maybe. And I packed all my shit. I had all my shit packed and ready to go because I was just like convinced that our house was going to flood. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people up here just have their suitcases by the door. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great time to really think about what you value that you're holding on to. I know we've talked about the minimalism documentary before and yeah, it was like, I was kind of astonished at the stuff that I decided to grab. Um, so on Thursday, I believe it was who, I don't even know what day it's on. This thing's been chaotic. It's Friday. You ain't got shit. Um, (laughs) pardon me. So maybe it was on Wednesday. 
I got my timeline all screwed up, but the guys came on their uh, press briefings, the guys that are working on the dam, and they said, wow, we did such a great job and we made sure everybody was safe and blah, blah, blah. And they're just like patting themselves on the back saying like, it's all over and we can all rest easily. And then they lifted evacuation orders. I think it's still, all of it's still under advisory, but for the most part, people are back to normal. Right. Um, but we have, we have serious water coming in until next Wednesday and a lot of people are concerned. And I just taught a yoga class and I had a guy in there that kept his phone right next to him and we designated him the safety captain. And if he got any updates that we could all just flee. And Man, that's so scary. It's like, what a way to live. There's no peace in that sitting there just waiting to hear if you're going to have to be evacuated. No, it's definitely, so we did our whole class based around um, the kidneys and adrenals. So getting those kind of lowered down <laughs> and tempering it all. At uh, least our nervous funny. systems will be prepared. Oh my God, you're hilarious. I know. Um, anyways, so that's kind of the update. It was pretty scary. There is some potential for some issues. You know, I woke up this morning though, and I was thinking they're doing all of this work to the emergency spillway where they're like blocking out the erosion that happened and placing rocks and graveling and doing all this stuff. And I was like, they wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't going to spill over the top again. Right. So. For sure. Well, we'll I hope that you guys stay safe. I'm certainly sending lots and lots of positive vibes your way and hoping that, um, you know, there's no flooding or evacuations and nobody loses any property or homes. Cause that's really sad. I mean, we, we really just did go through this same kind of situation or the opposite of it with the Butte fire. And I think just seeing the devastation and what people lost, you know, maybe they got out in time. Maybe they, yeah, they're still alive and that's wonderful, but to lose everything, it's really devastating. And so my prayer is that nothing like that happens with this situation. And I certainly Mine just wish well. you would freaking leave. Cause it makes me like scared all the time to have you there. I think, yeah, I, I was trying to tell my husband, like, let's just get a U-Haul and move it all out of town until this whole thing passes. But Do it. Uh, we'll see. It makes me sad um, too. Like I wish that I was me, there so I could just be like, Jesse, come have an extended sleepover with me until all of this passes. I think that the things that you realize in these types of situations are like how fortunate you are. We had over 10 different people offer up their house, offer us to stay there with our dogs. You know, we're very fortunate with the people that we have in our lives. Yeah. And, you know, the pulling together of community and people finding that common ground thread to, to relate to one another is really amazing part of this whole process and really starting to look at what you do value. I had one of my other yoga students, she was talking about how like, just leave it all. If it, if it's gone, it's gone. We'll get other stuff. Like who cares? It's that's just true. material stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's true. That is true. And I think you're absolutely right. I love um, the way that communities tend to pull together in situations like these. And I think that's certainly a silver lining to a really hard situation. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think we got one more little little bit that we're getting into for today's podcast. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to jump into our beauty segment, which will be a reoccurring segment. And Jesse and I are both a little on the hippie side. 
So we both um, actually make our own facial cleansers and we have different things that we use, each of us, but um, we wanted to go over some of the different kind of do-it-yourself, all-natural type of facial cleansers that you can use. you want to start? Well, I just want to say that it, there's a lot of ingredients that are used in regular like cosmetics and bath and body products yes. that you might not necessarily want on your skin. Yeah. And so that was kind of my big thing was when I started going off the the deep end, I guess, into natural products, yoga, all of that stuff. Diving like, head I just wanted... first into the crunchy granola. Yeah, some like to say. <laughs> Me too, I just girl. did a lot of <laughs> I just did research. I wanted to know what it was. And for most of us, we turn around our bottles in our shower and we go, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Right. And it just, it's like, oh, it's okay. Whatever. It must be fine. Like, that's what I always thought. But it's maybe not fine. So, um, I make my own face soap, like bars of soap because I am a cold process soap maker. And I've also used those bars of soap and turned them into liquid soap as well. And that's kind of what I do for mine. And I add in this, um, you super fat your soaps. And so I super fat my soap with a mix of grapeseed oil that has um, comfrey and calendula like in it. So it's kind of like a tincture. And then I add that in at the very end and I make my own um, face lotion too. What's super and fat I, mean? Like you add extra fat to your soap? Like you more really oil? Want, you really want me to get into chemistry right now? Oh, okay, I it's can. chemistry? No, Mm-mm, I failed that. <laughs> no, so what it is, is anytime you make soap, you mix fats, like so coconut oil or, you know, if you're going to go lard on it or something, but Ew. you mix your fats with your lye mixture. Okay. And so those two things, they have to have what's known, the, the fats have to have a saponification value in each different type of fat. So coconut oil, palm oil, they all have different saponification mm-hmm. levels. Okay. And so you have to use the proper amount of sodium hydroxide in order for it to come together a a one-to-one ratio. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't understand what what super fatting is. Okay. Why is it super? Once you have that one-to-one ratio where the oils are going to eat up all of the, all of the lye mixture. Um, if you want it to have more moisturizing properties, Mm -hmm. you have to super fat it, which means you add more of the oils or the fat in so that it has that moisturizing quality. Okay. So if you think of like Dove, yeah, which they have a like quarter moisturizer. Ultra, yeah. So that's it. All right. Cool. That makes sense. Thank you for breaking it down in a way that my stupid brain could understand it. I don't think your brain's stupid. It's just not into chemistry. You know, I'm a secret chemist. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what I do, and I was using Chanel. Mm, loved it loved the smell of it but oh god it just smelled so expensive on your face yeah because it was expensive on your face Um, (laughs) that's me but at one point like I started using my own products instead and then I went back to it and it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do anymore it just dries my skin out it kind of leaves like a weird residue and so I I just like having the control over what I put onto my face and in my body as much as I can yeah So for me, I have always had acne on my skin. Um, Not always, actually. To be completely honest, I was on the birth control pill for 10 years. 
And I started it really early. Like I would say I started it before I even like went fully through puberty. And then so when I went off of it, um, my skin and my hormones were just a freaking wreck. And so I had this awful hormonal acne in my mid to late 20s. And it was really a, a, like a point of contention for me. Like it was a really difficult thing to deal with. I had very painful acne. Like I felt like I had to wear a ton of makeup because of it. And so, um, when I moved and I tried everything, I mean, I tried proactive. I had like a hundred dollar prescription medication. I had like all of these things that I was trying and nothing ever worked. And so when I moved to Antigua, I decided I was just going to give my skin a break. And I literally put nothing on my skin for months. I didn't use sunscreen. I didn't use lotion. I didn't use face wash. I would put makeup on, but I, then I would rinse it off with water because I was just, you know, like I was freaking out. I couldn't make anything work. So one day I was at home and I lived in this shitty apartment and we called it the crap apartment. And that's where we lived for the first two years we were here. And this girl was on my back porch, hanging her laundry on my clothesline. And I opened my door and I was like, hello, I don't know who you are, but please don't hang your clothes on my clothesline. There's a clothesline down there for you. And whatever we chatted and she left. And then a few hours later, I hear a knock on my door. I open my door. It's her. And she's like, hi, I'm an esthetician. And when we were talking earlier, it was really clear to me that you don't know how to take care of your skin. And so I want to help you. And wow. I was like, ah, you're so right. <laughs> but geez, very bold. Right. And it's not that bad. Like, honestly, I'm the type of person that I prefer people to be blunt with me because at least I know where they stand. And I do enjoy an honest opinion, even if it stings a little bit especially if it gives me an opportunity to grow. So she taught me how to oil cleanse my face. And um, this girl, like she looked like her skin was gorgeous. And she looked like she was in her 20s and she was in like her mid 40s. And wow. I know, like I was like, okay, I'll listen to you. Like you obviously know what you're talking about. So she taught me how to oil cleanse my face. And since then, I've come up with like my own composition of oils that make sense for what I need. And so I use, um, it's a majority of castor oil. And I also add in some jojoba oil and a few drops of tea tree oil. And it's a really simple process. Um, I know that it sounds like super counter in like productive. Most people are like, get the oil off your skin and that mm -hmm. will, um, and that'll make, you know, your acne better. But for me, my skin feels nourished. It feels fabulous. It feels moisturized. Um, it feels smoother. My pores are smaller um, just by using the oil cleanser. So I'm going to put huh. up on our blog um, a couple of things. First of all, I'm doing something that makes me really uncomfortable, but I'm doing it for you. And our listeners, <laughs> I had stopped oil cleansing after having Kira because it does take a little bit more time. And when you have a newborn, you don't have any time. And so when I wanted to talk about this on the podcast, I decided I was going to start doing it again. So I'm going to do a before and after picture. Um, so uh, it'll probably be like five to seven days of me oil cleansing a before picture and then an after picture. So you guys can maybe get a sense of what it actually did for my skin because I feel it all over again. And I understand like why I did it for so long and I'll put up my recipe for it. So you guys can figure out if you want to try it. And I really, I challenge anyone to try doing this one time because I believe that their skin will feel better and they'll want to keep doing it at least, you know, on a semi-regular basis. So jessiekellyshow.com blog, it'll be there. Awesome. So you said castor oil and what was the other one? Jojoba oil. 
or hojoba. <laughs> I don't know. Kirk ho-ho-ba. calls it jojoba oil, so that's what I call it. And I a think for people tea tree. to people to try and research it, you should probably say jojoba. But it's jojoba. Jojoba. It's a jojoba. Whatever. I'm gonna write it down. They can just click the link and go to Amazon and buy that shit. So I've tried a lot of the natural ones too. Um, one that was really popular when I first got into um, the natural product scene was um, honey, clove, and nut- nutmeg. Mm, like that you sounds made, like delicious. A, uh, it's pretty delicious if you get it on your lips. <laughs> um, but you make like a paste with it and then you spread it around. But I have really sensitive skin and it was maybe a little bit too too strong because I would turn bright red. Well, I think we can deconstruct that a little bit. So the lemon is, it's a natural skin brightener. If you use lemon, like you remember when girls used to put lemon on their hair and lay in the sun? So it yes. will actually sort of like brighten your skin. And then honey is a natural antibacterial right and i think the clove and the nutmeg which was probably what was like kind of like inflaming you right i think it was abrasive like because you rubbed it on in a little circle yeah um and i don't know if i actually used the lemon when i did it but um it was kind of nice so like if you're doing a weekly scrub that's kind of a nice little concoction for sure um i i do do healing clay and water so i have to do (laughs) (laughs) thanks for calling me out dude um healing clay and water so i have bentonite clay mm-hmm. and i do like doing a mask of that probably once a month if yeah, not more. i really i saw some bentonite clay the last time i was at the health food store i wasn't sure that i would be able to find it here but i'm definitely going to get some because i don't know like i really didn't pay that much attention to like my skin i guess i did in some ways in trying to like cure the acne but as far as like nourishing it and making sure it was healthy um i never really did and so now that i'm getting like a little older I'm certainly more interested in like doing masks and, you know, making my skin as healthy as it can be. So I want to try that. Definitely. I also, I really like French green clay. Mm. That's, that's a good one. Sounds Can usually get it. Well, anything French, right? But does it smell like Chanel? No, it doesn't smell like Chanel. I wish that I could have. (laughs) Before I forget to say, like when I turned 30, Jesse got me a jar of Chanel La Lift for my 30th birthday present because I was old. And well, I think let's let's backdate this. We always said once we turned 30 that we would get Botox and now we're both hippies and yeah. we're not getting Botox. So <laughs> Chanel true. seemed like a good option. So I brought it home and I was so excited to finally get Chanel because I had used hers before and I just felt like a diva all day. And it just fucking made me break out. <laughs> like, oh. I was so disappointed. I thought I was going to look so rich with this Chanel on my face. And I ended up having to give it back to her because my poor, sensitive, acne prone skin was like, nothing if it's not all natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, and sorry. I, and I since passed it right along, too, because I, too, have sensitive, only natural skin at this point. Which is a good thing. I mean, I guess we had probably built up some sort of tolerance to putting chemicals on our face every day. And so now that we've kind of like detoxed from it, um, our skin is smarter. So you used to tell me you did like a vinegar toner. Did you do that? I feel like you told me you had salad dressing on your face. Oh, my God. That was one of the crazy things I tried to get rid of my acne was to put apple cider vinegar on my face. (laughs) And then we always 
We've we always, always come back good... to the apple cider vinegar, man. Oh, man. So I was using it as a facial toner. And I live in the fucking Caribbean where you sweat all the damn time. So I would use it as a facial toner. I would even rinse my face. And then later in the day, as soon as I would break a sweat, all I would smell was vinegar. It was terrible. So it's, I just smelled like a freaking salad. Yeah. That freaking ACB awesome. gets you every time. <laughs> we should have just a list of our stories with apple cider vinegar yeah definitely it's good um so i have on my list coconut oil i used to use coconut oil like on my eyes to remove mascara and what have you mm-hmm. and i think it was really great and i loved it but then um i had to go to the they're called an optometrist right ophthalmologist Whatever. The eye doctor. The optometrist Um, gives you glasses and the ophthalmologist deals with overall eye health. Okay. Then I went to the second one Mm -hmm. and um, she said that I might be clogging my pores because coconut oil is a little bit heavier. Okay. So I was having a little bit of an eye issue. So um, just something to think about. I I don't know if I would rub coconut oil all over my face yeah, it is a little bit thicker castor oil is thick man it is so thick well they say it's good for your hair so castor oil the reasoning behind using castor oil for an oil cleanser is that supposedly it's the closest to the natural face oil i don't know did I love you it. so when you first um got into this whole thing and you saw a castor oil did you think of like motor oil kind of yeah but is that like castro oil? Uh, castrol oil? I'm maybe? not sure. I think it's a brand name. So um, you're talking about using coconut oil as an eye makeup remover. And that's the other thing is I make my own eye makeup remover now because I used to only use Lancome eye makeup remover. And that shit is mm-hmm. ridiculously expensive and it's probably full of garbage. Sorry, Lancome. Obviously, they're not going to be our sponsor. <laughs> Nor is Chanel. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Um, we don't need sponsors. We we got each other, Cal. I'll sponsor you. So, uh, yeah, I just mix. This is crazy easy. I mix water, um, oil. I use like the Honest Company baby oil and um, baby shampoo. Or I just use the Dr. Bronner's magic baby shampoo. And that's it, man. That's it. And then it just works like as good as Lancome. And it costs nothing compared to freaking $19. That's not that much money. It's probably, I don't know. It's been a while. Whatever. $19 is a lot of money for eye makeup remover when you can make it for like three cents. No, honey, we're just too far out of it. buy Chanel. No, I'm not going that route with it. I'm trying to tell you <laughs> that these girls these days out in California are sculpting their face with like hundreds of dollars worth of product every day. Oh my God. We have to talk about when we sculpted our faces. Not did, today, I feel like, but we need to talk we, about that. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, like I was going to get a burrito and the girl behind the counter was talking about how she went to Target and got two concealers two contouring kits like all and i'm like homegirl that's too much yeah doing too much all that Mm -mm. little tinted moisturizer mascara some eyebrows you're good we'll save that for another day Um, anyway so i think we're about ready to wrap this puppy up and put a bow on it i do have it was pretty (laughs) just like you Uh, and all of our listeners you're so pretty 
I have um, I have our quote for today's show, and it's from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is an astrophysicist, and he says, "Light does not need a medium to propagate." So go out there and be the light, you guys. That's beautiful. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Well, that sums it up for this episode of the Jesse and Kelly show. Want to join the conversation? We're hanging out on Facebook and Instagram, and there are lots of goodies on the jessieandkellyshow.com.